0: The Bible doesn't teach that God will never give you more than you can handle. The Bible teaches that God will never give you more than He can handle. And we need to learn that he can handle it. And our ability to handle any circumstance is the reality that I'm not called to handle it. I'm called to cast my cares upon him who cares for me. And he handles it. And because he's got it, I'm all good. I can take it easy in the Lord because he's got it.
1: How are you in a crisis? Are you frantic and upset during troubled times? In today's message, Pastor Daniel teaches us that God's got us during our struggles. God will never give us more than he can handle. He can handle a lot more than we can. It's very difficult to lean on God during our struggles, but over time we can learn to let God handle our tough situations. Let's learn to trust the one who loves us deeply and who knows our future. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Genesis chapter 22 as he begins his message, The Ultimate Sacrifice.
0: Let's open up in our Bibles, the book of Genesis, chapter 22. As we're continuing this study through the book of Genesis, we're here in our second series called Patriarchs, where we're looking at the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's been a great study. I've been talking to folks. They've been showing me how their their journals and notebooks are getting filled up with notes, which is exciting. So Genesis chapter 22, this is one of the most confusing and challenging and simultaneously the most exciting chapters in the book of Genesis. It leaves us bewildered until we realize what God is up to. We saw the fulfillment of the promise that God would give Abraham and his wife Sarah an offspring, remember they got that promise, it took a really long time When Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90 Then they have a little son named Isaac Isaac means laughter He's the son of promise He's the one that God had promised And everything that we had seen in the life of Abraham Really was spring training For the birth of his son The walk of faith Abraham, the great patriarch of faith God had given a promise Years were going by God's timing wasn't Abraham's timing There was all sorts of issues As they traveled around And Abraham was concerned about how beautiful his wife was As he went to different places They even tried to help God out By giving Abraham, Hagar, Sarah's handmaiden And they had a child named Ishmael But yet God promised And God intended to fulfill his promise. And in chapter 21, we saw the birth of Isaac. To move into chapter 22 of the book of Genesis, things get really weird because look at what happens. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And we all say a collective, huh? I mean, think about this. God had promised Abraham a son, and now God calls out to Abraham. Now, this chapter is one of the most well-known chapters. In Hebrew, they call it the Akedah, which literally means the binding. And I have a a rabbinic commentary on the book of Genesis. That's two volumes. It's about 1,200 pages. And this chapter, next to the very first chapter of creation, is the largest portion of the commentary. And the rabbis make such a strong case that, hey, this is so meaningful to Judaism. And what's amazing is, is that as we're going to study this, we're going to realize that the rabbis don't even know the half of it. Because they don't realize that this is something greater than Abraham and Isaac. This is about another father choosing to offer an even more important son. In the hall of faith, Hebrews chapter 11, Abraham shows up multiple times. But listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac And he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said in Isaac your seed shall be called concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Wow. This time of testing for Abraham confirms his place as one of the patriarchs of faith. I love this. It says here that God tested Abraham. Now, our faith is not really tested until God asks us to bear what seems to be unbearable, do what seems to be unreasonable, and expect what seems impossible. This wasn't a test to produce faith. This was a test to reveal faith. If you come to church, if you spend any time, any time studying the Scriptures, going to church, talking with Christians, we talk a lot about faith, don't we? Faith is a very common discussion. But you've heard me say it a lot, and I'll say it a lot over the next bunch of years as long as God gives me here. The reality is simply that the problem with walking by faith is what? you got to walk by faith. We, as a culture in the West, we love to walk by sight. We make every decision based on this thing is going to happen this way and then it's going to happen this way and as all these things happen, then this. And that is not walking by faith. We want to make decisions with all of the information. The Bible says that walking by faith We have the only essential piece of information, which is what? That God is God. And that God knows what he's doing. And all of the details, the circumstances, we do not have. And that scandalizes the 21st century mind. That's hard for us because we want our five-year plan. We want all the details. We want, I'm going to do this, then this, then this, and then I'm going to get the cherry on top. But oftentimes we're just simply called to trust the true and living God on a path that makes little or no sense. I want to read that quote again. It's by Warren Wiersbe. Our faith is not really tested until God asks us to bear what seems unbearable, do what seems unreasonable, and expect what seems impossible. God's opportunity for us to learn how to trust him in situations that make no sense. People always say, oh, well, you know, the Bible teaches that God will not give me more than I can handle. And it's always a rude awakening when I say, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible doesn't teach that God will never give you more than you can handle. The Bible teaches that God will never give you more than he can handle. And we need to learn that he can handle it. And our ability to handle any circumstance is the reality that I'm not called to handle it. I'm called to cast my cares upon him who cares for me and he handles it and because he's got it, I'm all good. I can take it easy in the Lord because he's got it. I don't have to get it. He's got it. But it's time for Abraham's faith to be revealed. God's not trying to produce faith in him. He wants to bring to blossom the faith that is already in Abraham. I love it. God said to Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And I sure pray that like Abraham, each one of us are available to hear God's voice. For a lot of us, it's not now, Lord. I got a plan. I got a, I got a full calendar, God. That simplicity that says, yes, Lord. Here I am, Lord. And I'll be honest with you. As a brother in Christ, this is hard. It's hard in my highly scheduled world. And there's a million things going on. It's hard to simply remain in a heart space where God can say, Daniel. And I say, here I am, Lord. And God says, I want you to go do this. I'll be like, Lord, look, I got the next four weeks mapped out every hour. It's hard to be a tool in the tool belt of the Almighty if you're overscheduled. And listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't get scheduled either. I'm just saying we have to realize that God needs to be the executor of our calendar. That if God calls on us for whatever it is, that we be available. I've heard it said many times, God is not looking for ability, but God is looking for availability. I think that's how I ended up in the ministry. I heard about people who didn't have the Bible, didn't know the word. I said, hey, someone's got to tell them. Every time someone said, hey, you know, hey, do you want to teach a Bible study? I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm available. I want to be used by God. Just the ability to be available. But for Abraham, Abraham doesn't get the tap on the shoulder for the big leagues. He doesn't get, hey, Abraham, I want you to have a a $20 million or 20 million shekel estate that I want you to play with. I want you to build a mansion. No, verse two, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. This is absolutely horrific. God asked Abraham for the most valuable commodity in Abraham's world. Notice what he says. And and you feel the tension. Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. And I want you to go and offer him as a burnt offering. You see, I was trying, honestly, I, I was sitting back there before I came out, i like, Lord, let me build this thing up. But this is not about Abraham and Isaac at all. It is, but this is meant, this whole scene is meant to be a picture of a greater father than Abraham with a greater son than Isaac. This is all about God sacrificing his only son, the son whom he loves, Jesus of Nazareth. We're going to see that God is not going to let Abraham sacrifice Isaac because Isaac isn't a worthy offering, but God will sacrifice Jesus because Jesus is the better son than Isaac. The more perfect sacrifice. And that's why this is happening, because God wants a testimony for future generations that when they see Jesus of Nazareth sacrificed on one of the mountains, right in the area of Moriah where they ended up building the temple, one of those mountains outside, everyone say, wait a second, I heard about this before. I heard about this. We saw this in the life of Abraham. So God is asking Abraham to do what only his heart is willing to do. God's heart. Because God will sacrifice his own son. Now look at what happens in verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place where God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Here's Abraham again, without any delay, early in the morning. I've been kind of camping out on this with Abraham, haven't I? Every time I see it, right, I make a point. Obedience, without delay, Without dilly-dallying, without questioning. God says, I want you to do this. And Abraham's up early the next morning, ready to serve the Lord. It's interesting, all this, he's up early. He saddles his donkey. He brings two of his servants with him, two young men. Isaac, his son, and he splits the wood for the burnt offering. I like this. Abraham is making preparations to worship the Lord. See, we live in a culture that loves spontaneity as a sentiment. Like, most of us don't really live very spontaneously, do we? But we just think that spontaneity is really like a cool thing. But we spend most of our lives planning everything, right? But when it comes to the things of the Spirit, we almost spend no time planning. We think that if it's spiritual, it needs to be spontaneous, But the reality is, is that for all of us, we need to make preparations in worship. It's interesting that in the church in Corinth, when they got together for their agape feasts and their services on the Lord's Day on Sunday, Paul says, how is it that every one of you comes with a psalm, a hymn, and all these things? See, the people were seeking God all week for revelation to bring to the fellowship of believers. And I like that because they were preparing themselves. They were like, Lord, I want to worship you. When was the last time you prepared to show up at church and worship God? And not just prepared by putting on perfume and arranging your hair and, you know, putting on five different outfits to see which one makes you look the spiffiest for the Lord. But when was the last time you really said, God, God, When I get into the sanctuary with the people of God, I want my heart to already be open to you. And God, I want to show up before you with my brothers and sisters already overflowing with who you are. We prepare for everything except for the things that matter most, which is the things of God. I love this because Abraham's up and he's thinking ahead. He's like, okay, it's a burnt offering. I need some help. I need my donkey ready. I need some wood. I'm not going to just hope that wood shows up there. I'm going to bring it with me. He made preparations to worship the Lord. And he goes. Notice this. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. This is fascinating, isn't it? Why three days? It was as if, in Abraham's mind, Isaac had already been dead for three days. Could you imagine being Abraham? You've waited all this time, and Isaac is there. And you're walking, and you know what God said, and you're just like, you're walking for three days. Can you imagine how often he got choked up in those three days, looking over at Isaac, thinking to himself, man my only son, the son of my love, the son of promise. But on the third day, he showed up at this region in Moriah. According to 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1, Mount Moriah was in modern-day Jerusalem. Early Jewish tradition tells us that the temple was built on the mountains of Moriah. Fascinating. It's beautiful. In verse five, it says this. And Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. He leaves the two servants with the donkey and Abraham and Isaac go to worship. Huh. Notice what he says at the end here. And we will come back to you. Wow. Does he say, I will come back to you? No. He says, you guys stay here and we're going to go worship and we're going to come back. Remember what I read? Hebrews 11 17 to 19, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac and he would receive the promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said in Isaac, your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Abraham was so full of faith full of conviction. He's saying, look, me and Isaac are going to go over there. We're going to worship and we're going to come back. And in Abraham's mind, it says that even if he has to thrust that knife into Isaac, he believes that God's going to raise him from the dead because God told him, in Isaac your seed shall be called. I mean, this is radical faith, isn't it? If you really think about it, you're like, man! All Abraham is doing is trusting in what God's word says. That's all he's doing. God had said these things. We have them in, in this book, the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. And Abraham is simply standing on the promises of God. And that's all God asks us to do. Stand on his promises. Stand on the truth of his word. Don't doubt. It's fascinating here. In verse 6, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. What is the wood a picture of in the Bible? The cross. Listen to John chapter 19, verse 17, speaking of Jesus. And he, bearing his cross, went out to the place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him. The father lays the cross, the wood, on the son. It's interesting that Abraham keeps the fire and the knife for himself. The fire, of course, is a symbol of judgment. It's always been. Fascinating. It's Isaac's job to bear the burden, the wood. Now, what's also fascinating here. Isaac is called a lad. But that word in Hebrew, when we think of a lad, we think of like a little guy. Like a five-year-old or a seven-year-old or maybe a 10-year-old. The rabbis have Isaac in his 30s at this point. I mean, you got to think, for Abraham, Abraham's over 100 now. So the reality is, is that, you know, anyone's young when you're 100, seriously. You know? It's awesome here because... Isaac is called a lad, a young man still. But Isaac is there. He's bearing the burden. In verse 7, it says this. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Verse 8, and Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Can you imagine Isaac at this? He's looking around. He's thinking, man, my dad, what's he doing? We got the fire. We got the wood. Where is the sacrifice? Who's the sacrificial lamb? And Abraham says something so riveting. Look what he says. And I I don't really, I'm not like an underline your Bible kind of a guy because it's all God's Word. But if you're an underliner of your Bible or if you don't like to, maybe you want to do your neighbors for them or something, I don't know. It says this, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. Who's going to provide the lamb? God. God's going to provide the lamb for himself.
1: Jesus is... Today, Pastor Daniel taught us some amazing similarities between Abraham sacrificing his son Isaac and God sacrificing his son Jesus. The parallels are incredible. God set it up that way. What's even more amazing is that Abraham trusted God enough to do what God said. God seemed to contradict himself. God told Abraham to kill the promised son that God had given him. Abraham obeyed anyway. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share more about how Abraham trusted God. Not only did Abraham fully trust God, but he also feared God. Pastor Daniel will teach us that fearing God comes in two ways. We can fear God out of respect for his complete authority, or we can fear God because we don't want to hurt his heart. Either way, we're in a spiritually healthy state to place our lives into his mighty and loving hands. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Patriarchs. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.